you shouldn't watch it. I've actually had death threats about my opinion on on Salo. You know, wow. people actually still look. Feel Glenn, that it wasn't a death it. threat. I was just <laughs> angry. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and you can't you, you can't kill me by throwing donuts at me. It just doesn't work. <laughs> Radio Drome. Welcome to another episode of Radio Drome. I am Josh Hadley. With me as always is, well, he wasn't here last week, but he's usually always, maybe sort of, kind of. Cecil's here. Most of the time. Most of the always. Peter is out this week. He's got some personal stuff he's dealing with. So Glenn, who was here last week as Cecil, is now here this week as Peter. Emergency stunt double week number two. He has a much more soothing accent than I do. You don't have an (laughs) accent. Uh, I have a Philly accent. People make fun of the way I say water all the time. If you guys want something with wood, you go to adamandeve.com. You use the promo code DROME, D-R-O-M-E, and you will get 50% off of a single item, three free DVDs, a free sex swing, and free U.S. shipping. All you have to do is use the promo code DROME at adamandeve.com. Tonight we're going to talk about sort of an offshoot of last week. What is the new mainstream? And I mean that for just pop culture in general, television, movies, video games, comics, whatever. The mainstream has changed so much from what it was when all of us were growing up. What is the new mainstream? You know, like, think about it like this. 10, 15 years ago, things that are now the number one blockbuster at the movies, the top-selling video game genre, things like that, were underground. And I'm not saying this in a negative way. Man, has the mainstream changed. What is the new mainstream when it comes to movies? For lack of a better description, nerd sh- it has become like the new mainstream. If it is comic books, uh, I'd say the the vast majority of it is comic book related right now. Video, I mean, as far as movies are concerned, I would like for there to be proper video game movies, but we're still struggling to figure that one out. I think they've got comic book movies. I think they're doing a pretty good job with, but video game movies, they just can't quite seem to understand how to translate that properly. And then I would also go a little bit further as far as if you want a successful mainstream property, you are almost guaranteed with a young adult book adaptation. If there's a very popular young adult series, you know, Harry Potter, the uh, the Hunger Games, that kind of thing, there's a pretty good chance if you do it and do it well, that will be a hit. Now, we've had some that were done that I thought were done pretty well, but uh, they just didn't take off for whatever reason. They, they came out at the wrong time. They were uh, mishandled one way or the other, only doing like one. And it always cracked me up when you've got all of these book series the i am number four whatever the this series for that is called uh there's all these different ones where four or five books 
they've only been able to do like the first movie. So you've got all of these movies that end on cliffhangers that will never be re- resolved unless you go and read the books. So uh, I think that's also a major uh, thing in the mainstream is the uh, the young adult book adaptations. So comic books, or I should say as far as movies are concerned, comic books and young adult book adaptations. I think it's uh, extended universes all over, cross medias and all that kind of stuff, whether it's computer games, whether it's films to some extent, whether it's uh, literature of whatever nature. It's all about making big, cohesive kind of worlds. It's a model, unfortunately, that is very, very difficult to actually get to work and one that is very vulnerable to problems. But uh, yeah, definitely extended universes are the are the mainstream and it that's not just in it it's mostly in in the kind of comic book sort of er, uh, area geek kind of area certainly when it comes to a lot of the stuff that's out at the moment nostalgia is one of the big things although they don't do nostalgia very well unfortunately and i think that's one of the biggest undoings with uh what the studios certainly want to be the mainstream when it comes to kind of stuff like television Big drawn out stories, epic storylines. That's another mainstream kind of thing rather than episodic. That's kind of where it lies with, in, in my opinion. There is the, the nerd angle because even 15 years ago, the Marvel thing is only about 10 years old. You go back a little bit before that, comic book movies, only comic book fans were into comic book movies. Like, let's go all the way back to 1990. Leave the quality of the film aside for the moment. Who was excited about the 1990 Captain America movie? Absolutely no one in the mainstream was. Comic book fans were like, ooh, a Captain America movie! People who weren't comic book fans were, why? Who wants to go see this? Now it's, oh my god, a new Captain America movie! Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god! You've also got this with, like, anime. I think every year, what, a half a dozen animes being adapted into live action? I don't just mean, like, American big budget. A a lot of this stuff is Japanese only and we never get it, or it's just like a Netflix thing over here. Every year we get dozens of animes adapted into live action. Even Even 15, 20 years ago, barely ever happened. Anime has so moved into the mainstream, anime and manga, and again, this is not a bad thing, it boggles my mind that every bookstore you go into, if you can still find one, has a dedicated manga section. I think 15 years ago that you would have gone in and asked for a manga and they would have been like, what? Speak English. I, I feel you on that one because uh I will say one of the things, uh, and this kind of goes back to uh the comic books, that's because m- manga or manga or however, you know, has been doing better than a lot of the mainstream Marvel books. Like Marvel's Marvel's movies are set are doing gangbusters, but Marvel's book sales are in the toilet. The one thing I'll add to that is Marvel's writing and art is also in the toilet, which might have something to do with their comic book sales. Yeah, I'm not going to get into to that side of it because, uh, like, there, there's a lot of, I mean, you can you can speculate on it, and there's a lot of uh, nonsense that has gotten into the comic book. There's a lot uh, of identity well, politics at Marvel Comics right now. Yeah. Basically, to, to, to sum it up into a short thing, identity pol- politics is more or less taken over Marvel Comics, and uh, that's having a huge hit because uh, 
the people. No one that, wants to read that. Yeah, no, like people want superheroes beating the shit out of, you know, bad guys. We don't want whatever. I'm not going to get in. That's, that's all. We could do a whole big thing on that some other time. I think, uh, you know, manga is, uh, is doing well because it doesn't suffer from that. I think a lot of disenfranchised comic book readers have moved on to that and are enjoying like really good art and really good stories without all the, uh, the unnecessary interference. So I think that's a, that's a big thing. It's funny how much what you were saying where you know way 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 back when we were excited about comic book movies and how they really did transition into the mainstream stuff that we would have gotten you know stuff that got you beat up in high school over like the jocks and everybody are going to see captain america and are going to see lord of the rings and are going to see that kind of stuff whereas back in the day you would have got stuffed into a locker you know if you had a uh if you had a hobbit book Manga is huge in America right now. You're, you're in England. Is manga a huge seller over there too? Because I actually don't know if, if this is more of an American boom trend for us, uh, round eyes or if that also translates to the limeys. I'm not aware of any massive movement over here when it comes to that stuff, but it's always, I think even now to some extent, it's still a relatively marginalized kind of community. What interests me when it comes to that kind of stuff, though, is uh, the, the kind of material that we're looking at these days, whether it's superhero stuff, whether it's manga or any of those things that were formerly kind of just for, you know, the likes of you or me that would bother to look at that sort of stuff. Now, because we've got the internet and all that sort of thing going on, I think fans have found each other. There's a lot more community going on around these things. I think to some extent that explains the success of the Marvel universes, that there's community of fans that actually sort of get behind that. And I think it also explains why they're having so much difficulty now is because there's so much of an effort to push back against what Marvel's doing uh, because it's not faithful to what the fans originally wanted. Got a limited experience of stuff like manga myself, but I have to say the sort of stuff that I I was into was, shall we say, even within, man, uh, even within manga, it wasn't particularly uh, mainstream, to say the least. Things like um, uh, Hideo Hideshi's work, for instance, uh, the sort of stuff that would really, really kind of make people go, go screaming from the shop if they picked it up off the shelf. But um, over here, I mean, when I got into it, it was way before, you know, anybody really was particularly exposed to that sort of stuff. I, mean, we got comic I was books into it before it was cool. No. <laughs> Uh, that was certainly not the intent of it, but it was just, um, it, it's something I kind of happened across and went, oh, okay, that's kind of interesting. And that was actually through some movies that I was watching. And I did a little bit of kind of uh, digging around and found out about this stuff eventually. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I think it, it is big over here. I think they have the, com the, the conventions and all that kind of stuff, but not quite in the same way that they, they do in America. I think, you know, America is very big for conventions. I think over here we don't do so much of that you know festivals and things are a much smaller concern to me it, it sort of boggles my mind that even 15 years ago just walking down the street seeing someone walking past you wearing some anime character or manga character on a t-shirt go to the mall now just the people walking in the mall. You, you'll see, like, see some point of like big jock guys now wearing a Captain America or a Wolverine t-shirt. And you, you realize 15 years ago, those are the people who would have beaten you up for wearing a Wolverine t-shirt. The mainstream has moved. The needle has moved. Let's tie this into, you know, the trash cinema we all love. You watch any cartoon, whether it's on Cartoon Network or anything like that, any modern cartoon, 
They are filled with references to Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Scanners. And it just, it's kind of strange that things made for kids and they're openly making Scanners jokes. Maybe that's to do as much as anything with the um, the age of the people that are making this stuff these days. You know, our kind of age, um, our generation are the ones that are creating a lot of this stuff. The ones that are now in a position to start conventions and um, host their own websites and create their own outlets for this kind of thing. That that to me kind of uh, would would be a good explanation as to why that shift has happened. But I would say, I mean, going back to your previous example of uh, Captain America, Captain America as a as an English person was one of the least attractive cartoon characters or comic book characters that I could possibly imagine. Wasn't interested in it at all. It just looked like a bit of um, a big piece of American propaganda, essentially. You got this character that is wrapped in the American flag named Captain America. You kind of go, it's just going to be America. F- yeah. You know, before that meme kind of turned up it was really the first film that marvel did as part of the extended universe or what was to be the extended universe that got me interested in that character maybe there's something that um, is being done these days as well which is attracting a new audience which is making it more accessible i just want to point out captain britain has always looked stupid to me it looks stupid to me as well so Like you said, like I said, uh, you're walking down the mall, you see, uh, you know, guys that are, are jocks that are wearing Wolverine t-shirts, you know, girls that are into a lot of, that are wearing Star Wars shirts and all that kind of stuff or wearing video game t-shirts. And when I was in school, that would have been amazing. Like we were always trying to, you know, sitting down with your girlfriend. Hey, you know, why don't you, why don't you play Call of Duty with us? Why don't you play Dead or Alive? And, oh, no, it's, you know, that, that, that's nerdy or I don't want to I don't want to play that like now you you meet a girl like one of the first things it's like you know hey uh you know what are you into oh you know I've got uh you know I'm playing EverQuest or I'm playing World of Warcraft or oh, I was up all night playing Endless Space or something is is just insane to me that's I mean it's it's cool in a way but in another way it's kind of taken away some of the specialness of it. It used to be a niche market and it was cool and it was fun and it was like something that uh, that we had and it's expanded to that and unfortunately it's expanded to the point to where now you get people that haven't really been a part of this for long enough that are demanding things to be changed. Like I was laughing uh, last night I was I was looking up something and i stumbled upon somebody who was talking about how they were the world's biggest star wars fan and their first star wars movie that they saw was the last jedi i it just i was like i've been watching this you know since since way back and i'm not claiming any kind of ownership over it i'm saying that uh you know this this is a series that i've grown up with and i've loved and and uh feel really kind of irritated with the way that it is currently being handled and uh it's it's funny to me that you get people that uh, have just started liking this two years ago and are demanding that things within you know the comic book movies or within uh the industry or within video games or within star wars whatever demanding that things be changed to cater to them even though they only just started getting into it recently because the thing is it is the mainstream now and it is appealing to a bigger market but that's not always the case usually things will blow up they will be popular for a set period of time and then things will kind of die down 
down. It's never going to go back to being, you know, a bunch of geeks in a basement playing D&D, but it's going to die down to a certain degree where you're going to have uh, a lot of new fans that still stay with it, but there's going to be the hardcore fans that were there since the beginning that are going to stay there through thick and thin. They're the ones that, uh, I don't want to say they're the ones that, that should be catered to because yes, you always want to bring in a new market and you want to appeal to different people, but don't alter things so much that you're trying to bring in this new audience very well may not be here in a couple years, may get eventually tired of this and move on to whatever ends up being the next big thing. You also have this strange thing of when you see what used to be total deep nerd shit in the mainstream. Do you guys remember in 2010 that Windows 7 commercial that used footage from Fulci's zombie in it? You just You just said to yourself, Lucio Fulci is in a Microsoft Windows national <laughs> television commercial. What is happening? Just recently, two weeks ago, Dario Argento was an answer on Jeopardy. <laughs> and you just say to yourself, how did we get here? When I was growing up, I would have never thought anyone on Jeopardy or Alex Trebek would have even been able to pronounce Dario Argento. Now he's one of the answers. Or the questions, technically. It's just, it's mind-boggling how much the mainstream has moved, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, like I say, I think a lot of it's to do with the age of the people who are creating this stuff now. The people who are involved in making these shows and making the websites and all that kind of stuff is people of our age. And they're seeing the things that they saw as kids when we when we were first exposed to that sort of stuff and uh, wanting to revisit it. Now, I mean, there's something to be said about the whole kind of uh, watering down of the audience, though. You know, I mean, it is always one of the biggest concerns. I mean, if you going back to the yawnsome example of Ghostbusters 2016, people look at those various things that we grew up with and going, right, okay, now we've got to make it for a new audience and, and, that, and that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, eventually people will move on, like with Tron. Uh, Tron Legacy was supposed to be a few films franchise or whatever, died on its ass. So <laughs> they pissed off a lot of the people who loved the original and and kind of uh, didn't gain a new audience. But they'll try again in a few years' time, like they, they're doing again with Ghostbusters. It, it's It's kind of just a cyclical thing. But, you know, I mean, that's pop culture all over to some degree what i would ask though is what do you think is the um the geek culture now what is the underground what is a thing that uh the mainstream hasn't discovered miami vice used to do this all the time in a good way you'd be watching miami vice and all of a sudden suicidal tendencies is there and you're like they don't even get radio play but they're literally in a miami vice episode all of a sudden Public Image Limited has a song being used in the number one show on television. I, I don't know if you could even do that today. Like, is there a show today? Because, like, Game of Thrones wouldn't use popular music. Is <laughs> I there want Game a... of Thrones to use Suicidal <laughs> <laughs> I just want a dragon. Mom, I just get me a dragon, Mom. Okay, is there even any format today? Because I'm sure when Suicidal Tendencies or Public Image Limited or something like that, when they had a song used on Miami Vice, I guarantee you there were people that went, 
I need to find this album, this single, whatever, now, and I guarantee you, as much as people like Johnny Rotten and Jello Biafra, because they used a Dead Kennedy song once too, might have hated their stuff being used on Miami Vice, I guarantee you, sales went through the goddamn roof after that episode aired. Is there anything equivalent to that today? That that really, what all of a sudden, some, because I mean, like, Stranger Things is all set in the past, so that that's a retro show. Is there anything that could expose new music? music nowadays like what miami vice used to do tv's more given to being a bit more experimental with what they shove in there's obviously there's lower stakes with failing with a tv episode than there is with a major motion picture they i've found plenty of music along the way which has been by obscure artists and stuff like that in in uh in television for instance that is like six feet under had a few artists one of which i'd happened to be following for a few years and then it was like oh my god she's in that which was sia she was in the finale for the montage at the end really didn't know her stuff then it wasn't that big and commercial and that's i think that's where the more risk-taking happens when it comes to selecting things to put in there and you know partly that's I think they want to surprise you. They want to, I don't know, maybe it's they want to be uh, a little bit clever and then go, there's this great piece of music that you've never heard about. Commercials do that quite often as well. There's a weird thing when you're using a piece of music, especially if it's not a new piece of music, Atomic Blonde, period 80s music. And then there's a Marilyn Manson cover of Ministry Stigmata in the movie. <laughs> and it's a bad cover. And I was just sitting there with my jaw agape like, so why are you doing this? Either you you couldn't get the rights to the ministry version, which then you should have just picked a different song, or why did you have Marilyn Manson do an awful cover of this amazing song? Everything else was the original period music. Then all of a sudden, and, it, and Stigmata would have fit into the period thing. Not a Marilyn Manson cover, because for one thing, it sounded like a modern style of this ministry song mm. I, mean, I was angry when i when i when i because I, I heard the beat originally and then i'm like this isn't ministry what the hell is this <laughs> yeah oh, I, of I, course you're angry yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'd say that was probably a bad decision in in that particular case but here's an example that you will absolutely despise you have something like moulin rouge for instance which uses modern music in a old setting where that music would never have existed that kind of works in a certain way it's a it's a bizarre thing but it, it kind of works you can play with those things to some extent but i think with atomic blonde that's a consistency issue that's where the uh where the problem comes with uh receiving something like marilyn manson in that kind of context everything else is in the identity of the time you know everything's authentic for the time and then suddenly you shove this new thing in which compared to everything else doesn't fit I hated A Knight's Tale for exactly that. And that was the whole structure of the film was that they were going to have this medieval story, but it was going to have all current references and all current music. And oh my God, did it not work. I was infuriated that whole movie. And it really does take a lot to get me to that point. But like my blood was boiling that whole movie. It was just so bad. 
could not stand it. It was one of the worst movies I've ever seen. And I just, I hated, like, I saw exactly what they were going for, and they were trying to do something different, and I thought it failed miserably. Because it was such a mixture of all kinds of pop culture references and all kinds of music. And you've got, like, this this midi, you know, this uh, old-timey group of people watching a joust, and they're all doing the, the we will rock you. Oh, I hated it so much. Don't you remember when Lady Hawk came out? People could not get over making fun of how out of place the soundtrack was because you've got this medieval sort of Dungeons and Dragons tale with magic and wizards and a John Carpenter style synth score to it that did not fit at all. Yeah, I think if you're going to do it, you have to have a very precise kind of reason for doing it and, and be able to handle it really well. I always looked at something like Moulin Rouge just using it because it wanted to involve the audience in um, in the kind of excitement that the music they would have been listening to at that particular venue would have experienced, and that's that's a way of contextualizing that kind of experience for for the audience. But uh, doing it randomly and just doing it because you know people recognize those bits of the soundtrack is not really a good reason for doing it. It's it, it's just too weak. You know, and it's pandering apart from anything else and just going, right, buy the album, buy the album, buy the album. I, I mean, I've listened to so many soundtracks to feature films and, you know, orchestral soundtracks and all that kind of stuff. You can listen to them. They work within the film. They work outside of the film. And But uh, when it comes to something like A Knight's Tale, you can listen to the album. Great. But it doesn't fit right in the film. It felt frivolous. At Halloween, my girlfriend wanted to. I don't know what made her want to see this. It was on Hulu. She wanted to watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show remake this last Halloween. I tried to warn her. I'm like, no, you don't. And she's like, I gotta know. You know, (laughs) it was, I I gots to know, you know, from Dirty Harry. All of the songs are redone and modern style music. And you look at the original songs and the remake songs and there's no comparison. You will always take the 70s versions over the 2016 versions. The Rocky Horror Picture Show does not need a pop remake. And someone at Fox said, yes, it does, and then went, uh, this wasn't my idea, after it failed miserably. I mean, I sat through the Footloose remake, and I saw, like, what was the, they did, um... That's, that's kind of the new thing with, uh, with Fox for, like, they did, they did one movie, they did, like, whatever, I think it was, like, Hairspray Live or something, and it was a big hit, so then they started doing all these other ones, they did Rocky Horror. They did a Jesus Christ Superstar. Did, did they do a Jesus Christ Superstar? Well, I, I don't know if it was Fox, but there was a live Jesus Christ Superstar for Christmas, either last year or the year before. Yeah, they, they just, it's like a new thing, and again, going to the, well, you know, you aren't the target audience, all right, fine, but I can still say that it stinks. Like, I don't think that, uh, particularly good. Like, I see the, um, the, the snippets from it and I'm just like, no, that, that doesn't look good at all. And, uh, uh, so I'm not going to outright say that it's bad, just that I'm, you know, actively avoiding it because I have no interest and because most likely it probably is bad and I'd rather it is bad. do something else. Well, all right, let's shift gears a little bit. Movies have changed in how they're made as they've shifted into the new mainstream. For instance, my friend Hank Carlson is a former special effects man from K&B Effects, and he still does effects for movies occasionally. In around 2010 or so, they he did the effects for a movie called Psycho Holocaust. In this movie, a man gets raped to death with a handsaw. 
and Hank had to do the special effects for that. He loved the fact that there was a review that just lambasted the movie for how graphic it was, and they made a comparison that was actually kind of thoughtful. You would have never seen Vincent Price or Bella Lugosi raping someone with a handsaw. And that got me thinking, man, horror and sci-fi have changed so much, because, yeah, you couldn't see Vincent Price in a slasher movie, could you? Let's assume they lived into the era of, say, the 90s or even the late 80s. Bela Lugosi so wouldn't have worked in the slasher movie era, would he have? The movies left these icons behind, didn't they? Well, yeah, I mean, I've just finished reviewing a film called Grotesque, which is... Well, according to the director, something of a finger up to uh, Eli Roth's Hostel. Yeah, we've we've sort of imported this stuff from um, mostly from Japan, actually. Funny enough, although there are examples which do go back, you know, with uh, Men Behind the Sun and things like that. You know, when it comes to the horror genre, yeah, things have changed, things have moved on. There's only so many times you can tell the same Dracula story of the guy in the cape who molests uh, the innocent girl by <laughs> at night and all that kind of stuff. It, it doesn't really resonate anymore, I think, is, is one of the things. And I think the tastes of people and what they look for in a horror film has changed significantly. And, you know, I think it can be also said that the tastes of the audience have changed when it comes to stuff like these superhero films as well, where we used to be very happy just to see Spider-Man throwing himself from building to building and webbing up the bad guys. Now there's um, a much more uh, high demand for, uh, for for something to be going on with that character. It comes to like the Marvel films, there's a lot more introspective stuff going on with the characters. Whereas before, you know, Captain America comes along, punches Red Skull in the face and by the end, and you know, job done. Now there's got to be resonance, emotional resonance and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's a, it's a shifting audience. Hopefully it's, you could describe it as a more sophisticated audience. But yeah, 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 it, it's, it's, yeah, you're not going to see Bella Lugosi as, uh, as, uh, the toolbox murderer. <laughs> However, I would, I would kind of question whether if he'd been around later, whether or not he would have been in that kind of stuff. If that was the mainstream at the time, then that, I would have said that would have been kind of his, um, his cup of tea. Vincent Price was, uh, he was, um, he was, he was very classy. Cla- he was very classy, but who's to say? I mean, uh, he might have been looking to do something a little bit outside of his comfort zone and, uh, mm. maybe, uh, he would have given it a shot. I, I don't know. Because there's a lot of things that, I mean, did you know that he was like a, a world renowned chef? Yes, I actually used to own one of his cookbooks. Yeah, like, I mean, he would, uh, when he would travel around the world to do movies, he would go to all these places, uh, to eat and like he would try to learn, he would find the, you know, place that had like a very well respected recipe and he would learn how to make it and he had like, you know, cookbooks and just a, a really interesting guy. So, uh, uh, I think he also had a really dark sense of humor. So maybe he might have gone for something like that. I think that the audience, would not have been particularly receptive to something like that back then because, you know, movie styles change and whatnot. And I don't think they would have liked seeing that. But uh, you never know. I mean, every now and then you see an actor doing something that you wouldn't expect them to do and they knock it out of the park. So mm. who knows? I, I um, guess to some degree, though, when when you look at the... The stuff that was done back then, there was complaints about that kind of stuff. The stuff that they did was 
on the margins. It wasn't... Night of the Living Dead in 68, Glenn, was considered so graphic that even though the X rating didn't exist yet, because it was, it, that one was made still technically under the Hayes Code mm. before the MPAA came in, that was, remember, initially sold as a children's matinee. You know, <laughs> it's a zombie movie, it's a horror movie, this is a kid's movie. And then there were people that were like, get this filth! Off the screen. It was considered almost pornography. You look back at Night of the Living Dead, and I still think it's one of the greatest movies ever made. There's almost no graphic. It's it's so ungraphic. It's almost cheeky, isn't it? Yeah. There's this um, piece of censorship history in this country that the BBFC thought was uh, way beyond the bounds. And it was a little silent piece of film called The Dance of Fatima, I believe it was called. And it was a belly dancer doing her act and uh, somebody filmed it and everybody lost their shit over this thing. You know, it was debauchery. It was this, this temptress on the screen was going to corrupt your morals and all that kind of thing. You look at it now and you go, how could anybody possibly have been um, offended by this particular thing? She's showing her ankle. But the, the funny thing is you see um, uh, there's an un- uncut version, uncensored version, I should say, and a censored version. And the censored version has band which goes across her breast and um, across her lower region. Not that you can see anything, but they didn't want to see the movement, the gyration and all that kind of thing. So tastes change. And if I think if any of those guys had been in their careers uh, at a later point, I don't think their classiness would necessarily have precluded them from doing that kind of stuff. It would have just been they would have been in a different mindset for one thing. But uh, like you say, the uh, the one thing you got to remember is that stuff was controversial in its own time. You know, that it wasn't looked at as being mainstream. It's only the people that look back at it now and and go, well, this film uh, does come out by Eli Roth is uh, not the kind of thing that uh, Vincent Price would have been making. Well, no, he might have been had he been around, you know, 30 or 40 years later. Didn't people lose their mind over Elvis, like the way that he would shake his hips? Yeah, yeah. On on Ed Sullivan, they didn't want to shoot him from the waist down because they were afraid him waggling his hips would just, like, get all the girls in the audience so wet that it would cause debauchery across the nation. Yeah. Yeah, Jim Morrison couldn't say hi on the show, could he? When it's part of the when right. she did so. Yeah, he did. Yeah, but he was told not to. So, <laughs> live television, ladies and gentlemen. The Rolling Stones capitulated. The Doors did not. <laughs> yeah, they said, uh, let's spend some time together <laughs> instead of let's spend the night together. Oh yes. wow. Yeah, where where even you see um, Mick Jagger like rolls his eyes. He's like, let's spend some time together. <laughs> I mean, there was a day when uh, Madonna was controversial, and now you got um, girls shaking their asses at the uh, at the camera for the music video, doing a twerking. Terrible word. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm there with you know, you. the attitudes uh, do do change, you know, and this is reflected in the kind of things that we're watching. And it's a very transitory thing, and it's very easy to look at things and go, oh, it's all going to shit now because cause of this, that, or the other. And it's very easy to forget that we were at a point when things were changing as well, because it's constant. And uh, now we're looking at the new stuff and going, it's awful, it's terrible, it's this, it's that, it's the other. It's like, I kind of get a grip and remember where you came from. Um, we came from the place when uh, Lucio Fulci and Dario Argento were uh, sorting our eyeballs with stuff that at the time was considered beyond the pale. And as you say, now people are putting them into commercials. Argento as a Jeopardy question, as a Mm -hmm. Jeopardy answer, is still just, what? 
<laughs> I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not mad that it's there. I'm shocked that it's there. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, in context of what we remember, uh, where it came from, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And it's perfectly understandable. Suspiria was on the section three list over here. Uh, it was one of those that the police could legally go and take off the shelf. And now there's a remake and people are aware of it again. People look at it and go, it's a bona fide classic. Uh, at the time, there was an awful lot of people, a, a lot of professional critics, um, people in the censorship board, people in the government who looked at it and went, this is the decay of society. Now that sort of stuff, something like Suspiria has inspired many films, not not um, forgetting the likes of Nicholas Wand and Redfing films, um, certainly visually have an awful lot of uh, callbacks to the likes of Argento. So you, now you've got mainstream, I say mainstream, um, now you've got big film directors who are directly um, influenced by the kind of stuff that we watched that we were told was trash. And part of me kind of is very happy with that. Another part of me goes, you, you've taken, you know, a big part of my cultural identity and, and made it mainstream, which feels a bit weird. Well, I mean, even if you look at, let's just talk about the slasher era. Remember, these were hated. The Friday the 13th. Let's just stick with the main ones. Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Streets, Halloweens, Texas Chainsaws, things like that. They were hated by the mainstream. They were always denounced by any sort of mainstream critic. All the newspapers and Newsweek and Time and all that talked about how these were the degradation of our culture. Now, when like a Friday the 13th remake comes out or a Halloween remake comes out, these same publications talk about just how genre bending these were, how important these films were, and sometimes it's the same f***ing critic who said these are mindless trash mm -hmm. that should never be seen by another human being. Well, evil, Oh, how times have changed. E evil Dead was the uh, coined as the number one nasty in this country, and uh, now it's got a TV series, well, three series, whatever it was. <laughs> so, and that says something. Yeah, there were um there was a big thing where uh I don't remember exactly because it's been a few years since I was doing the episode, but um when the thing first came out, there were just critics saying that it was the worst thing ever. If you want meat, go to the slaughterhouse. This is you know, it just and then same thing. Now, years later, a lot of those same people are saying how it was revolutionary. They've changed their tone. They say, oh, this is, you know, it was groundbreaking. And it's like, yeah, you trashed it. Like, you were the reason why, like, it failed at the time. Mm. And now, you know, now that it is over years has gained acceptance and gained, uh, you know, people, uh, people have seen it for how brilliant it is. Now you get the people that are, oh, no, this is so great. So yeah, there's a, there's a weird thing. Like, I understand going back and revisiting things. Like, there's been movies that I saw the first time that I didn't really like that I went back and watched again and was like, wow, I, I must have been in a really bad spot or something because uh, I ended up enjoying it or seeing it like seeing a movie when I'm young and then seeing it again when I'm older and understanding it, um, having a new look at it. But when you're like an adult and you're watching a slasher and you are when I used to when I reviewed like newer movies on my channel, if there was a genre that I was watching that I didn't like. I would start off the review by saying, I don't particularly like, I don't like Westerns. And then in cases with something like Bone Tomahawk, the movie won me over, even though it was a Western. I'm like, this is how good this movie was. I don't like Westerns, but this was really good. But then you do something like the remake of The Magnificent Seven, where I'm like, okay, I don't like Westerns. And this movie did nothing to change that opinion. 
So it was, it was still gar, it was absolute garbage. And I actually do kind of dig the original. Just thought the, the remake was terrible. So I think that when you have somebody, uh, like a Siskel or an Ebert where they would watch a slasher and they openly hated horror films, instead of saying, okay, look, we don't like this particular kind of film, but we have to review it. We didn't like it. No, they would get on their high horse and talk about, well, this is morally reprehensible and the people involved should be ashamed of themselves. And here's mm. their address. So you can write to them and, and send them hate mail. Like that was always infuriating. So it's so weird how certain things have gained uh, such an acceptance that uh, you had people, well, obviously Cisco and Ebert can't do it now because they're, uh, they're not around anymore, but you had people who were around at the time that were talking about how terrible these things are. And now that they've become culturally significant now they're talking about how important they are certainly with films like uh i cover in in extremis for instance my uh series on extreme horror uh there's a lot of the titles in there get exactly the kind of response that things like the video nasties used to get some uh, things like uh texas chainsaw used to get you know, you talk about grotesque, you talk about Salo, you talk about Besmois and any of the French extreme, uh, that kind of stuff. And you do get that response from certain people who go, this is beyond the pale. It's, it's sick, vile stuff. You know, you shouldn't watch it. I've actually had death threats about my opinion on, on Salo. You know, wow. people actually still Look, feel Glenn, it wasn't a death it. threat. I was just <laughs> angry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't, you, you can't kill me by throwing donuts at me. It just doesn't work. <laughs> there is still now a bunch of films that have been made and are still being made exist outside of the mainstream and if you want to kind of get the feeling for kind of why you know um the mainstream is you know just just weak generally speaking you know why we'll always have those kind of um outliers then you know looking at certain films like that and seeing people's response is quite an interesting way to sort of go right okay this is the experience we had when we watched things like Evil Dead, when we watched films like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, when we watched those Lucio Fulci or Dario Argento films, people looked at us and said the same kind of things people say about people who watch films like a Serbian film, for instance. Yeah, you've, you've got those parallels still. You know, there is still the outliers, still the, um, the stuff that people don't generally watch. And I find that quite an interesting section of cinema and just, well, you know, pop culture in general. I think it's, it's the most interesting area for it, which is why I do my series on it. See, it, it was kind of funny. My girlfriend had never seen a Friday the 13th movie before. So last year I brought my box set over and we watched all eight of the, you know, because the box set only has one through eight, all eight of those. It was kind of shocking to me. I hadn't seen these in many years. It just how bad most of these are. I, I'm not going to say I side with the critics who hated these back when they were new, but man, these aren't well-made movies. <laughs> I actually changed my opinion on them. Yeah, well, certainly with Friday the 13th, um, that is one of the things, the, the, the original, the first one, you know, arguably the second, mm, had a push, the third one, were unusual. And, and different. And when it came to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, nobody had really seen anything quite like that. You know, it's, these, these things were fresh and different and people reacted to them. <laughs> and that's why they continue to uh, live on. I struggle to look at most of the Halloween films. I struggle to look at most of the Friday the 13th and the amount of shit I get for that. You know, they go, you're a horror film fan. How can you not like these films? They go, they're just, no, objectively, not that great, generally speaking. Even the first one is... I, um, I went and saw 
my girlfriend and I went and saw Halloween in the theater a couple of Halloweens ago when it was re-released, the original. Oh my god, that movie is so f***ing boring! Yeah, yes, it's slow. Uh, I mean, you've never been a big one for the slower films anyway, have you? But yeah, not much happens in it. There's, there's not beat around the bush. Not an awful lot happens in it. Oh, uh, man. It takes its time. I cannot believe I am in a room with two people that are so wrong. <laughs> The the mainstream needle is always changing. Like, you know, in the 1970s, who would have thought all these counterculture movies would have been blockbusters? You know, starting obviously in the 60s with Easy Rider, you had the counterculture as the as the mainstream. I think that was actually the beginning. I think the counterculture has always been part of the mainstream since maybe Easy Rider. We just haven't noticed it because I think the mainstream slowly consumes the counterculture until the counterculture becomes the culture. But when punk rock was really huge in the late 70s and early 80s, as that started to osmose into culture, it really lost its edge. And then by the 90s, it was just normal to see someone with a giant spiked mohawk walking down the street. I think mainstream, the whole point of it is it's mainstream and it will always slowly absorb those things that are on the fringes. It will slowly eat it all. I'm not sure quite how far that goes. There's always going to be stuff that the mainstream won't, won't touch with a barge pole, but one of the main parts of these phenomenons is that the mainstream changes these things. It's not that everybody accepts necessarily what was the original material. Not until much later, anyway. It kind of, you, you're quite right, it, it takes these things and it kind of brings it into the, into its own body. By the time you've had that, it's not the same thing, you know. I guess if you're looking at punk, you start looking at things like Black Flag and things like that, you know, which uh, continued on for a bit longer. And the later punk stuff, when, which had its own underground kind of element still going on. Uh, the mainstream didn't fully bring that in, but it did to a certain degree. Uh, and I'm always a little bit at odds with whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing, because, you know, eventually people sort of realize that it's all this other stuff that went on. With that, I mean, something like, you know, you go to see your stockbroker or you run into your stockbroker, you know, at, at the gym, and he's got a Misfits Crimson Ghost Skull tattoo on his arm. And you're just like, how did how did it get to this? <laughs> well, that's uh, that's commercialism to some degree, isn't it? You know, grab the stuff which is popular that hasn't been fully monetized and slap a price label on it. And uh, there you go. Slap it on the ass and kick it out the door. There was a movie I uh, got a while back called SLC Punk that was uh, a pretty good depiction of a it's lot a of great film. Too. Yeah. Uh, hey, you like, well, you know what? It was the nineties. So of course you liked it, but it was a good movie because it really did show how, uh, you know, the punk movement was. And then you had not to spoil it, but at the end it was like, they went on and I, I think they became bankers. Lawyers. Lawyers. He, he, he became a lawyer, shaved his head. And he's like, I'm doing my damage from within the system now. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, but it was just funny because it was like, that was 
you had the people that were, you know, Mohawks and, and, you know, counterculture and all that. And now they are the man, so to speak. Later, you know, going into the 2000s, as far as punk's concerned, I do think it's funny when you have a band like Green Day and they're like, hey, it's the new punk. And I'm like, I think somebody like Gigi Allen, if he was still alive, when he was peeing on stage, uh, would have, would have been like, nah, you're, you're not even a little bit punk. Once you've seen Johnny Rotten selling butter in a commercial and doing it earnestly, it sort of takes the punk sting out, doesn't it? It really does. It's such an odd thing, the way that commercialism and whatnot has altered things. Like you had, was it, um, not going on to punk, but, uh, was it Snoop Dogg? And he's doing a commercial with the commercial where he's playing golf with, you know, yo, Lee, I, you know, it's just like, what? But same thing. It's just like, these are the guys who were, the, you know, the, the rebellious. I mean, he was, you know, smoking joints and stuff. And he did like a, a Girls Gone Wild video. And now he's he's like selling for whatever. Same thing. You had Johnny Rotten slinging butter for a for. It, it's I, I don't mean to be picking on Johnny Rotten, but it also when you see people like Johnny Rotten coming out as MAGA supporters, especially the fact that he's not even American. When Johnny Rotten endorses Trump, and there are other old punk figures who are like Trump supporters, you kind of go, do you even remember what your ideals <laughs> used to be? Because Trump is the exact opposite of every single one of those. Well, you know what to say, everybody gets more conservative as they get older. It, 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 it's the same thing with like Star Trek fans. When I see hard neo-Nazi alt-right Star Trek fans, you go, do you even understand why you liked Star Trek? Because your actual ideals and the ideals of this show you adore don't line up at all, people. Right-wing Star Trek fans are a fucking oxymoron. The mainstream has changed. The mainstream, that needle is, has moved, and it's going to keep moving. I'm thinking in five years, we might have to revisit this topic and go, man, it's moved so much in that time. That's the thing about the mainstream. I think it will always eat its fringes. So the mainstream will always be changing. On that note, you know who is mainstream and will always be mainstream? The Cecil. I, you know what? Can I start getting paid like I'm mainstream? <laughs> that would be, that'd be pretty nice. Uh, there are too many hacks like Pie Die Pie and that that are just going gooby gabby gooboo over videos oh, that get all of the money. Leave PewDiePie alone. He doesn't do that anymore. PewDiePie fucking sucks. Oh, I, I, I would love him to just vanish forever. I That's... hate him almost as much as I hate Jordan Peele. You can find me at uh, not not being what in how my mainstream. I'm talking about movies like Raw Force. <laughs> that that like three people have heard of the new mainstream i i you know i i guess it would be nice if i got some of those uh mainstream bucks but i'm not about to sell out anytime soon so uh you can catch me over at uh, goodbadflix.com as well as goodbadflix at youtube twitter twitch facebook and 121beyond.com and i think that live action uh adaptations of harem anime are going to be the next mainstream thing or at least that's what i'm rooting for Glenn, where can people find you not being Peter? <laughs> you can find me not being Peter on uh, YouTube as LampyMan101 and CynicalSelly.com and at uh, 1201beyond. You can find me at 1201beyond.com. You can contact the show at 1201beyond at gmail.com. I will never become mainstream because nobody listens to me. But that's not the point. Guys, try to be a cut above. Keep one foot in the gutter, one fist in the gold. Have a good night.
Radiodrome is a 1201 Beyond production. Find it and other great content at 1201beyond.com.